Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. This is Chesney Hawks here. You are watching My Hammers 11 with the one and only Russ. Hi, everybody. Russ and My Hammers 11. Hope you are all safe and well. If you channel, please consider subscribing. Hitting the bell icon so you made of any time we put new content on us. Obviously, we like to thank our channel sponsors, Untuck It. Check them out in the description below. Father's Day soon, so you might want to get some, some nice shirts for the old man, that type of thing. Today, we've got another X Hammer all the way across the world, halfway across the world as well, in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, he made first team of th- three first team appearances for the club. And um, the last one actually was on my birthday. So there we go. Um, it's Steve Motor. How are we doing, Steve? I'm, I'm very well, thanks. Yeah. We're, we're uh, unfortunately, my part of Australia, we're back in lockdown. So we're, uh, we're just going for a second week. We've only got five cases, but we're in lockdown, mate. They're so paranoid here. But anyway, we've got to do what we've got to do. Yeah, but I'm not being funny. That's not bad. Yeah, but it's like, you know. We have like how many thousands of cases, and yeah, so five, yeah. and it's all shut down. That's what I mean. It's uh, shut, don't take yeah, no shit. shut down. So I got my I got my ISO beard, mate. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, don't take no shit. Anyone. That's what I like. That's what I love about the Australian no, the way the it. government handed it. Any no shit. That's it. Lock all the borders. Shut no, it no, down. No. And hopefully you get yeah. back to some normal. So how, how apart from obviously the lockdown beard. Two weeks. Oh, my heart bleeds. Two yeah. weeks in hot lockdown. Oh my god, poor Steve. Poor Steve. No, <laughs> How are you, man? Oh, well, what do you do? <laughs> oh, I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. I, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit depressed because we are locked down. But uh, uh, all in all, things are things are going pretty well here. I think uh, we're probably fairly lucky here in Australia with uh, with circumstances around the world. I mean, I've, I keep a close eye on. You guys in the UK and uh, we're we're fairly lucky here, I think, in terms of the fact that we are isolated. Uh, but you know, it is a terrible time around the world. It has been for the last twelve months, and and not only just for uh, for what's going on. Uh, I suppose the bigger picture of the, the the illnesses that are that sort of go with this kind of pandemic. But for me, the thing that I think about, and probably my son's going through, is only just twelve years old. 
is that it's just constantly stop and start with their football. You know, like he, he, he's loving it. He plays, he loves it. And, and you know, we're shut down another two weeks, sort of five weeks into their season. And I kind of think about the guys who, who are probably starting to get close and wanting to go overseas or try and have a crack at, at becoming professionals and, and maybe going overseas and giving it a go. You know, you just can't. Where, where, where would you go? I mean, oh, that would never have entered our minds that we weren't able to go overseas, you know. Maybe we weren't good enough, but, you know, the fact that you just, <laughs> that you get sort of stopped from doing that, from progressing is, is a shame. And, and I'm sure that happens all around the world, not just Australia. But anyway, we're hopefully we'll get through the worst and, and things can get back to normal. Hopefully, hopefully. We're meant, we're meant to be we're meant to be like all open all doors in two in three weeks time. So we'll see. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll see. That's that's yeah. Boris's that's Boris's plan. The twenty first of June apparently is when we can. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, just, we'll see. just in time for the summer. Just in time for the summer, exactly, and and the Euros as well. Just in time for the like all the well, all the second rounds yeah. of the Euros. So so that'd be good. Yeah. But we had ten thousand at the, the last game of the season at West Ham. We had we had ten thousand at the Southampton yeah. game. So Fantastic. that was great. Yeah. 10,000 to see a good win. Exactly. See us beat top, go above Tottenham. Yeah. Seems all good to me, man. Yeah, yeah. Seems all good to me. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And, obviously, no and obviously, bleed, mate, all good. Yeah. No, no bleed time. <laughs> I, I had altitude sickness, I think, Steve, to be honest. All that, you know, we were like fourth. I was like, what's going on here? What's going on here? Oh, bless. Oh, but it's Love fantastic it. to see, though, isn't it? It's, oh, yeah. It's unbelievable to see the boys doing so well. Fantastic. It is about time as well. Yeah, it is about time, and and it's it's funny because actually uh, we we spoke just before, and obviously you've come dressed for the interview, which I, I do. I, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. You see, trying yeah. this. The Thames Iron Works. Oh, it is it is a size too small, but uh, anyway. <laughs> blame lock, just blame <laughs> lockdown. Blame lockdown, Steve. That's what I always that's do. It. This is the lockdown kilos. That's right. <laughs> So that was the that was the last game you was you attended at the at the London Stadium, the Juventus game. Yeah, so it it was the opening of the the not it was meant to be the official opening, but I think yeah. it was a couple of games before that with uh, Europe. Um, and uh, yeah, I take my I took my family over to Europe and uh, was lucky enough to uh, hook up with Slaven Bilic, who I still contact with, and he 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 looked after me. There is a story if we got time. Of course, he, he Steve, we've got Fantastic. Well, he got me and my son a couple of tickets, but it was really a, a late because we were traveling all around Europe and we just happened to be in England at the time in London. And I, I messaged him. I said, look, I know it's only, a, you know, the game's tomorrow, but there's any chance of getting a couple of tickets. He goes, yeah, I'll find something for you. So it was in the summer, obviously. And it was, an, I don't know if you remember, it was a really nice day. So, mm. you know, I turned up and got with my son. He was only eight at the time and went in, asked for the tickets and they gave me the tickets, went to the first security check and, they looked me up and down, and uh, uh, and my son and called somebody over. Yeah, they said, yeah, come through. Went through to the next checkout, and we're getting higher above the stadium, higher and higher. And I thought, oh, we'll have decent t- seats here. And anyway, we ended up in the director's box, and and I met, um, and it was fantastic in the director's box with with all all the big names and and all the Juventus hierarchy. In fact. Um, there was a photo with uh, the security guards kept looking at us for some reason. I don't know why. And you know, I met Slavin the next day for a, for a, uh, for lunch. And he said, look, uh, 
you know, oh, I said, thanks for the tickets. Actually, he, he looked after us that night, but the next day he said, look, uh, you know, next time you come to the game, do you think you could wear, you know, some shoes and, and some pants, uh, some some trousers as opposed to shorts and flip-flops? And I said, well, you could have bloody told me you're t- sending me in the director's <laughs> box. I didn't know. I thought I was just going in one of the, you know, behind the dugout or behind the goals or something like that. So I didn't realise we were going to the director's box and me and my son were dressed in shorts and thongs. And at half at half time, uh, my son goes, "Oh, Dad, I'm really hungry, you know." And I go, "All right, we'll go for a pie and chips downstairs." We're not going into the uh, into the restaurant there having something to eat. So it was quite a, it was quite a funny episode for us in the end, and a little bit embarrassing, I think. Uh, for I think it was Karen Brady who said, "Next time you invite those Aussies, make sure they know how to dress." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, oh, I love it, man! It was all good, but uh, but he he really looked after us, and we and he and he got us down into the change rooms after the game, and my son uh, and I and obviously Julian Dix was his assistant, I think, and um, mm. managed to catch up with him, which was fantastic. And and uh, Slavin, as you know, generous as he is, he he just said to the kit man, "Listen, just sort something out for the young fella." And you know, he threw a whole heap of shirts in and uh, and shorts and a couple bit of uh, other memorabilia for my son, and it was fantastic. So, uh, oh, so I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd put this one on. This is actually what they wore. It was uh, yeah. I think this must have been the old logo, was it? The, the yeah, that was the, the Thames Iron. Yeah, the Thames Ironworks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, so this was the like original. it was an anniversary logo, I think. So, mm. yeah, good. I yeah. like the shirt. Uh, I, did, I I like the shirt. Good. It was a good, good shirt. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It's a good shirt. Right. So we we you I'll, sort of. I've so, got a couple, mate. I'll send you one over. Yeah, send us one over. It'll be here by it'll be in about three seasons' time, based on how the post is working at the moment. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, that's right. right. That's right. So, so you've you've alluded to obviously knowing Slaven and and Julian Dix. Now, for some people, yeah. Steve, they won't. They, they might be too young to remember you. I'll be honest. Some people might be too young to remember you. So um, let's yeah. let's go back. Let's go back. So. Um, yeah. You signed in 60, not, not 69, 96. You signed in, ni- 96, <laughs> in 96. <laughs> How did that happen? Because obviously you were in Australia uh, for Canberra, Cosmos, yeah. uh, and then you ended up being at West Ham. Yeah. What what happened? Yeah, so so I connected with... Uh, um, Oh shit! I've just uh, I've just had a mental blank with Barry Silkman. So Silky, yes. who's uh, who was really good friends with. How could you forget Silky, right? Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I I connected with Silky and uh, and I was desperate to come overseas. You know, I spent two years in Italy when I was sixteen in in a team in the Serie A, and and uh, you know in Australia, football at that time it's changed now, but at that time it was a part time sport. It was it was worse than non league. We trained two nights a week. Uh, play on the weekend. They'd be, you know, we'd be playing in 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 you know fairly poor and and unprofessional environments. And, and I just had a will to 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 uh, uh, you know to try and get overseas. And, and and at that time, I probably didn't know what else I could do. So so it was a it was a level of desperation. And and I managed to get hold of uh, of Barry Silkman, and uh, and he just flew me over. He said, look, I sent him a video, you know, and I had a really good two seasons before that in the top flight in Australia. And uh, I, I sent him the video highlights and, you know, all video highlights are fantastic, right? You never send shit video highlights. So uh, he, he, must, he must have seen something and thought, well, you know, so, so he said, look, just jump on the plane. 
and and we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. So at the time, he said to me, um, he said to to the story that he told me was he, he said to Harry Redknapp, look, I've got a, a, a kid coming from Australia, goalkeeper. Can he train with you for a week, set up a practice game, and I'll invite some scouts to come and have a look and 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 see where we can sort of place him. We don't really know where he's at. And that weekend that I was travelling was the weekend that um, Neil Finn made his debut against Man City when Les Sealy, bless, bless his soul, uh, got injured in the warm-up. So there was a bit of a goalkeeper crisis at the time at, at, uh, at West Ham. And I think um, uh, Peter Shilton had just come in uh, as yeah. cover, right? So, so I was flying over and Harry said, look, we, you know, we've got a bit of a situation. Get him here. We'll have a training. We'll, we'll see what he's like. If he's any good, we'll we'll maybe stick him out. Otherwise, you know, you can invite your your scouts. We'll put him in a game and 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 you know, hopefully get something. So, so I went over, and that one week's trial lasted a month. And uh, and in the end, you know, I got I got a deal, which I was absolutely over the moon. But the, the, I'll just tell you a quick story, right? The first training session, I was shitting myself, right? And 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 you know, I've only ever seen these guys on TV, right? So. I've come over and, and they stuck me in the first team change rooms. I thought, oh, shit. So I've sat down and I'm getting my boots on and, and I didn't want to look at anyone. I didn't want to look at anyone in the eye. So I've, I'm putting my boots on and I look across and there's a pair of goalkeeper gloves next to me. I think, oh, great, you know, common, both goalkeepers. And I look up and it was Peter Shilton. I fucking fell off, nearly fell off my chair <laughs> because, you know, he, he was an idol of mine. And I'm thinking I need to calm down a little bit. I've got Peter Shilton sitting next to me, you know, so... It was a, it was kind of a, an intro into uh, into the football which uh, world, which was uh, in the end it was probably Peter Shilton who helped me get the contract because I think he just liked the way I had a good work ethic, you know. So he, I think, he, and he, he did as well. He loved that sort of stuff. So he liked the way I trained. He liked the way that I, I was and how determined I was, I suppose. And and I think must have put in the good words, you know. So in the end, I think I did well enough to to get that to get that deal. Fantastic. That's brilliant. It's such, a, and it's one of those. He says it's almost like a. It was meant to be, wasn't it? So that sliding doors moment, like the second, like as you were coming, there's a massive goalkeeper crisis, and H was like, "Hey, we need, we need, yeah. we need some cover, man." And uh, I love things like that. It just everything just seems to just right. work. That's work right. for you, man. But no, that's right, Russ. But you know, I think football is like that. Football and and footballers is like that. And 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 the thing that I tell a lot of kids that I coach and train and. And, and, and give advice to, and even my son, is that you'll always get those sliding door moments, right? You'll always get an opportunity. But but if you can be ready to take that opportunity, and I think I was, I was, you know, because I was so desperate, uh, you know, I think because I was just shit at everything else. So I thought, I'll, I'll, you know, I need to do this. So you've got to be ready for those sliding door moments. And I, and I reckon that story, uh, that chance story is probably... Uh, you know, every footballer has got that story to say, well, you know, if I was, you know, I was in the right place at the right time and they needed this guy or, you know, the keeper got injured and I made my debut and kept the spot or whatever, you know, whatever it was. So, uh, but I was fortunate, you know, I, I was lucky. And uh, the fact that my agent and Harry Redknapp were best mates as well probably didn't help. It's probably yeah. helped as well, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, know, all these things sort of fell into place. As soon as you said Barry Silkman, I was like, okay, well, that's, uh, that makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Discussions over the horses. And, and, yeah, exactly. go into that. 
Yeah, we'll keep that. Keep that quote here. Put that to the side. But obviously, there was there was there was an Australian contingent as well there as well because you had there was you, uh, you had you had uh, old Laser, you had Lazaridis, you had um, yeah. Robbie Slater was there as well, Robbie wasn't Slater. there? So, so there was a few of you, weren't yeah. there? The young boy Chris Coyne as well. Chris Coyne, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean that was a nice. You know, Russ. At, yeah, at, at that time, Russ. You know. Um, in Australia, Australia in general, uh, uh, sorry, the EPL in general had a big Australian contingent. You know, mm. there, uh, you know, I can remember we, we played. We, I think we played. Uh, uh, um, uh, who was it? Um, geez, my memory's gone, man. Uh, we played Aston Villa. <laughs> I yeah. know. it's like it's like so. Yeah, Aston Villa, and you had Bosnich there, and then. We were up at um, Blackburn, and and um, there was another keeper called John Fyland who was there, um, and, and and then there was another guy, um, Frank Taylor. So it was almost like everywhere we went, there was one or two Aussies uh, floating around in each team, you know. And mm-hmm. and and it's funny because here in Australia they call it the golden generation, you know, that sort of mid nineties teams that that did reasonably well at the World Cup as well. At that stage, we actually beat you guys three one at. Um, at Fulham's ground, and, and we had a really good team: Viduka, Kuehl, um, uh, yeah. Lucas Neal, Kevin Musket. We had some really good players, right? And and they keep saying, "Well, where's that golden generation? We're not producing it." And the thing that the fact that is now, right, that if if the the league in Australia was what it was when I was growing up, I don't know whether I would have been that desperate to go overseas because I. I, I I could have been earning a decent living here, being a yeah. big fish in a small pond yeah. in a shit league. You know, and I, I don't want to give it a, a huge disrespect to the A-League, but in comparison, it, it doesn't compare you know, yeah. to, to the top flight Europe. So people like myself and a lot of others had that level of desperation to make it overseas. Mm. And, and, and that's what gave us then, you know, so nearly every player in that national team was playing in, in a top flight somewhere, whether it was yeah. the UK, England, Scotland, you know, wherever it was, uh, um, uh, you know, Italy, uh, Germany, wherever. So, so you had a fantastic team, and, and but now even I see young kids go overseas, and after two or three years, they say, oh, you know, we had one kid, you know, I didn't make the AX first team, so he came back at age nineteen. I go, well, fuck, man, there's not many, you know, players anywhere making the AX first, first team yeah. at nineteen. You know, so, but but it's the it's an easy step to come back, Russ. You know, do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. You know, then they're then they're big fish in small ponds, and we don't progress. I don't think so. It's it's been great for the for the domestic league, but I don't think for our national team it's been the it's been the best thing. But anyway, no, it, is what it, is. No, it makes perfect sense, man. It makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, and yeah. as you said, you know, there's not only was there a good contingent of Australian players in the west around the West Ham squad as well, but in general, I mean, you know, you talk about the golden generation. So that Redknapp era to me was a bit like a golden generation for a West Ham fan yeah. because it was. You had such an eclectic group of players. Um, and, you know, for you guys, particularly, particularly yourself as well, coming into this, you've got, as you said, you've got, you know, Schultz, you've got Les, you've got, yeah. and, and you just got all these training must have just been, yeah, like Moncur, yeah, people like that. Training must have been an yeah. absolute riot. Do you know what, Russ? It was, I, I was, uh, you know, not, not obviously at the time, but, you know, a few years later, I was really aware that, that, that I was involved in a league and a team that was kind of changing. Yeah. You know, players were going from two, three grand a week to 15, 20 grand a week. It was that era that, that, that where the money really started coming yeah. in. 
But then with the likes of Ruud Hullet at Chelsea, Arsene Wenger, the, the, the foreign coaches coming in, the foreign players started coming. Yeah. And, and and Harry took huge advantage of that. And we had players like Paolo Futre, you yeah. know, Dimitrescu, Radichoy, you know, uh, Mark Reaper, although he was there, Slavin Bilic, you know, came in. So so it was an ex- really exciting time. And and it was it was an exciting time for a new player like myself to come into a team. But I also saw that it was a bit of a nervy time for, for the English boys coming through. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, they're not competing against each other. They're competing against a lot of influx of foreigners. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. England's always had foreigners, but I reckon that sort of mid-90s, uh, there, there was more of these foreigners coming in. Yeah. It was, it was more. into West Ham. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I'll tell you a, a real quick story. You know, we, we were, we were um, doing our pre-season in the forest. I can't remember what it's called. Is it High Nort Forest? High Nort Forest, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we we started day one doing our our, our preseason and, and I'd already been there sort of this was ninety six ninety seven season and I'd already been there for um, uh, six four or five months so I knew most of the boys so I piled in the car with the young lads you know getting in the car and we're all you know climbing out of the car from from the training ground and then the next minute there's a limo pulls up and I don't know if anyone's I've heard this story you say it. I've heard this story yeah. Jones is yeah. telling so me to say and the driver, I mean, I'm probably, you know, adding a bit of mayonnaise here, but the driver with his cap pulls up and, you know, gets out of the car and, you know, nice and fresh Paolo Futre comes out of the car ready for his pre-season training, you know, and we're all going, fucking look at that, you know, it's, uh, and it was brilliant, it was brilliant, but uh, he was an interesting character and I got really close with him and, uh, and I know you've mentioned it, but I've got a re- fantastic, if you've got time, I've got a fantastic story. Well, I think it's fantastic because I was involved in it, but, a great story. He hardly spoke any English, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll I'll move on to it if that if that's okay. Is that all right? Yeah, if I tell Steve, this story? Mate, yeah. Honestly, I'd rather you talk than I talk. So I'll, I'm more than oh, happy to sit here and listen. So um, you know, he spent a lot of time in Italy, and and my parents are Italian, right? And and I lived in Italy for a couple of years, so I speak fairly fluent Italian. And uh, and I knew of Sutro because of you know his. Um, fantastic stuff that he did in Italy, right? So when he came to the club, it was you know like another hero turning up to to, to this club that I was part of, and we become. Uh, I wouldn't say we become close. It was more of you know because because we we got on well. It was more we become close because of necessity because yeah. I could speak Italian yeah. and he hardly spoke English. So I ended up being his unofficial translator. So anyway, we got. We, you know, all pre-season, get, get through all that sort of stuff. We, we go away, we've got games and all that sort of thing. We went on tour for about three weeks, I think it was, and then we get back and Arsenal's our first game of the season. Now, uh, Ludo McCosco broke his finger in the pre-season game, so I played most of those pre-season games. And he, and he wasn't 100% fit until he had a fitness test before the game. Mm-hmm. I was shitting myself already. I was thinking... I might be playing in this game, right? So I was nervous, right? So the day before uh, we have our final training session and I could hear yelling and screaming walking into the change rooms after the session. And I'm thinking, what's going on, you know? And it's Futre's swearing and, you know, in, in Portuguese though. And, and I went to him, what's wrong? He goes, no, no. He goes, this is not right. In Italian, so he goes, this is not right. This is bullshit. He goes, um, I need to speak to the manager. So anyway, next minute, and I, I just want to keep my head down, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm already overwhelmed with what the hell's going on, that, that Ludo's got to have this 
uh, a fitness test before the game. And so anyway, Harry comes to me and says, Steve, come in my office. I've got to speak to Paolo and you need to translate. And I just didn't want to get involved. So anyway, I walk into the, his room and, and, and he, he sits down and I sit down and there's another chair there. And I'm going, where's Paolo? And, I, and we've got nothing to say, me and Harry, right? We're not, there's no small talk. There's no chit chat. It's just silence. Yeah. And I'm going, and it felt like an hour and it was like, you know, maybe five minutes. Anyway, he, he walks in. So he wants to make the big entrance. He walks in, he sits down, he goes, right. He goes, you know, he goes, <laughs> Harry goes to me, Steve, ask him what, why he's up so upset. What's wrong with him? And so I ask him and he says, look, he goes, he promised me regard because Paolo had a bad knee injury, right? Yeah. We had a few bad knee injuries and, and Harry, I think, signed him on a, on a bit of a gamble that his knee would be okay. And he said, look, and when I signed, Harry promised me the first five games that he would play me. If I was no good after that, fine. He goes, why aren't I in the first 11? So I've got to translate back back to Harry. And then Harry's going, look, uh, uh, Paolo, I've been, we've been assessing you. The doctors are saying this, and we think we need you need a couple more weeks. And, and, and he just he keeps going. Am I Italian? I thought I was good you know, at his time, but I wasn't that good, right? And he's yeah. going, and I'm I'm trying to make things up, you know, saying, you know, and he's swearing at me saying, you know, he's an F and this and you, you're a liar. And I'm trying to calm the situation. And I, I probably shouldn't have because it wasn't my place to, yeah. to change what he was saying, you know, in the end. And I, I won't tell you exactly what it, what he said to Harry, but it wasn't good, right? And, yeah. and, and, it, and, and it, it had son and it had other things in there, right? Son of a... And, yep. and anyway, and he stormed out and then there's dead silence and I'm sitting there with Harry and I'm, all I'm thinking is, you know, I, I might be playing tomorrow against Arsenal, biggest <laughs> game of my career. And he goes, what did he say? What did he say? I said, oh, Harry, he's not happy. <laughs> we just say that. He's not and, and, you know, like I've had to walk out. So the next day we get to the game and, and there's yelling and screaming in the change rooms and I'm going, and this is how I remember it. And I don't know if it was exactly right. I'm going, what's going on? And he calls me, I'll go, fucking not again, you know, Paolo. I'll, I'll got to get ready for this game. He goes, why am I number 10? I go, oh, I don't know, man. John Moncur was number 10. I go, oh, I don't know. And I go, he goes, come with me. I go, Paolo, not anyway, he goes, he goes, why is he, he wants to know why he's not, boss, he wants to know why he's not number 10. I don't know. I just want to get ready for this game. And apparently him and Moncur, because Moncur was number 10, did a deal that he could have his villa in Portugal for every Somewhere, month yeah. for the next years or something like that if you gave him the number 10 and that's how it was about you know and oh, he is a kid from Australia stuck in the middle of this uh, uh, situation which I really didn't want to be in but yeah looking back it's quite a sort of funny scenario you know yeah but that, that just that even that little sort of they just epitomized that whole era for me that red nap era it was a bit like a soap opera yeah you know oh, it was yeah you had these yeah. as you said they had these foreign players came in we didn't most of we didn't know who they were um obviously yeah. just before you obviously that uh, in the same SC season you signed obviously before then in the in the summer we'd signed obviously mr boogers um so had all yeah. that stuff as well um yeah and also you had these sort of youngsters coming you had like rio and joe yeah all, all, you know lampard oh. and people like that just yeah. a real sort of concophony of of different things coming through and you know, yourself stuck in training, you must have, yeah, every day, you're like, you know, something must have happened. And then Monks, and then we've had Monks on. and Oh, oh he, he's, a, he's a character. And, and I don't know what it was about John Monker, right? But 
But he, he just found it. He's found a lot of pleasure in taking the piss out of me. I don't know why, you know. And and, and I was quite a bit bigger than him, so I, I would stand up to him every now and then. But he he just had an ability to get under your skin, you know. And and it's that East End, or where he's from North London, I mean. But it's that yeah. that sort of and and it's and it's that um, it's those scenarios that most people don't really know that you got to survive those scenarios yeah. because you're yeah, going to yeah. get eaten alive in the change room, mm. you know. And 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 I'd. I was quite lucky that I'd become really close with Slavin Village because he just signed when I was on trial. So we were in the same hotel and we become really close and we've stayed in touch, you know. And, and, and he was, you know, I was almost, you know, hanging on to his coattails most of the time, you know. He, he kind of looked after me and gave me that little in with the respect of the main boys because in football, you don't get the respect of your teammates properly until you play a game. And I was the number two keeper. And until you play and you prove yourself, you're never really in there. You're, you're on the outer, do you know what I mean? You, but, but you're never really accepted as one of the boys until you're actually playing in that first team. Sure. Um, but, but he helped me. But, but Monks, you know, he, there's a lot of stories and I'm sure, you know, you've heard them all before, but uh, he was a fantastic player, by the way. Absolutely fantastic yeah. player, but uh, uh, just a nutcase. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just in that case, exactly. <laughs> and because when, when I when I interviewed him, obviously he's he's calmed down a bit. You know, he's yeah. him, he's a born again Christian and, and stuff like. That. Good luck to him. Okay. And when we started talking, you could see this sort of glint came back in his. He started off quite sort of straight laced, and as we yeah, started yeah. talking, and then it was almost like sort of regression therapy. He was sort of going yeah. back, and you could just see. His, and he was like. And then just this like like verbal diarrhea came out of all these stories, and then I ran naked oh, down brilliant. here, and I did this, and I did this, and this, yeah, oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Love, oh, and love he'd, that have, he'd have some some stories as well. I mean, I've heard a few, but he'd have some stories oh, as well you know, stories. with the likes of players that he played with as well. But um, fantastic. Yeah, no, no, it was good. It was good. Yeah. So, and obviously, and obviously, you know, you as you said, you, you know, although you were number two, and, uh, and we've had a few number twos actually on here. We've had like um, we had Ian Foyer on as well, who was, okay, you know, yeah, yeah really Ian on, on, and quite a few. Um, and it's, it's it must be one of those really frustrating things being a number two, where you sort of you know you want to you want your team to do well, but obviously you want to play as well. And I think Ian said the same thing. He's like. You know, Ludo was doing so well. He was such a he was Ludo was Ludo, and I wasn't gonna, I, you know, I was gonna try as hard as I can and be, as you said, take those opportunities when you when you when you're given them. Yeah. Um. It it must be like a a strange thing because obviously you goalkeepers, you you know, you used to you go over and train on your own and and you yeah. know, do your own thing, but you have this, you still have this bond despite the fact you're competing for one place. It seemed that you know goalkeepers have a, an incredible bond amongst you. We, we've interviewed loads of goalkeepers here. Yeah. Loads of goalkeepers yeah. for some reason. Yeah, that no, Russ, you're right, and and they call it sort of that goalkeepers union, and I yeah. think it's because, um, you know, when you see a goalkeeper not have a good game, you know what he's going through, mm-hmm. and it hurts, you know, and you can't hide anywhere, no. and, and so you sympathise with him, right? So, uh, you know, there would I come across some some shit characters as well. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. But most times, most times, like some of my best mates uh, that I've stayed in touch with in football uh, are goalkeepers. And, and it's because you, you end up having that mutual res- respect and, and, uh, and you can understand everything that they're going through, both the highs and the lows. You know, even though you, you wish you, wanna, you, you, know, you wanted to play and, uh, and most times, you know, there was never, there was never anyone uh, when I played 
who I thought I wasn't as good at, goalkeeper-wise. Mm-hmm. And that included Ludo. Yeah, yeah. At the time, though, at the time, Ludo, I just didn't think I was ready because I didn't have that experience. Gotcha. Now, looking back now, he, he, you know, I was kidding myself. He was way better goalkeeper than me. But at the time, that's how, that's how I thought. And I reckon that's how most keepers think. Yeah, I'm better than him. I can. I could have saved that. I could have done that. Mm. And, and and I think you've got to have that mentality. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. But without it being arrogant, mm. and, and and that's why I think most keepers stick together and they and 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 they form good bonds while they're together. Yeah. Um, and, and that for the most part is is you know all goalkeepers generally think the same way. But you do have your exceptions, and and the exception uh, I think is Les Sealy. Yeah. <laughs> He, you know, he he was a strange character, but a great guy and and really generous in terms of, um, you know, like he was coming to the end of his career, but he was still fighting to to, to continue playing, but but he was generous in the sense that sometimes it'd be just me and him training, right? Because we'd be, you know, the 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 first team would be off and we mean him, and instead of him saying, right, Steve, this is what I want to do. He'd be saying, Steve, I've seen your game and I reckon you need to improve on this. This, let's work a little bit on that. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, even though yeah. we we're competing for position, he was generous in in uh, in wanting to see me ha- develop and, and help. You know, wow. um, but he was a strange character. I don't know. Yeah, I no, just, I, no. We've, I mean, we've had we've had Joe on, Reddy's son on, and uh, yeah. and and Joe sort of may you know in the same way how he's generous with his time. I mean, Joe mentioned you know obviously they were both. Obviously, they're living together. In La- yeah. They're both in Loughton, and he made Joe get to the ground on his own. He wouldn't take him to the ground. Um, so, like, yeah. Joe, and obviously, it's a bit of an arse to get to Chad Reef from Loughton. You have to go on the central line yeah. back into Woodford, yeah, uh, and uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a strange character, but obviously, as you said, he was so generous with his time that yeah. you know, it's one of those things where. And, yeah. And, and you, you know, like, um, uh, you know, you know, um, and how we had the introductions with Danny Norton, and I didn't know Danny right, and, yeah. and until I until he moved to Australia, and and I see I hear Danny speak about him highly, and I hear all these other guys speak about him highly, and and, and you know I only had a small period of my career with him, but I know why they speak like that about yeah. him, you know. But but you know in but he was a different cat as well. Yeah, he was yeah. A different and, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, but but interesting, and it's great. It's great to come across. I mean, Ludo was a fantastic guy. He, he yeah. was an unbelievable bloke. You know, he was so so he was so consistent with his with his um, character. It was unbelievable. But but you know, his his wife and son went back home one week, and he said, "Look, Steve, come with me. We'll have this little pub near our house. Stay the night. We'll, we'll have dinner. We'll have a couple of drinks, and then I'll you know we'll go back to, to you know train tomorrow." So I said, "Yeah, no problem." And I reckon he did this to everyone, right? All the young goalkeepers. So, got in, had a nice dinner at this pub, and they were, and they knew him really well. And he got me yeah. on these uh, Czech beers, and then he got me on this whiskey, and then he got me on something else. And then the next day, because because sometimes we wouldn't have a goalkeeper coach, so he would drive the sessions. And the next day, and I reckon he did it on purpose. He he worked me that hard, I was nearly throwing up, <laughs> and he wasn't even breaking the sweat because he was one of the fittest guys in the scene. But yeah, you know, outfield. A specimen of a body, and he worked me to the. I was gone. I was gone, but also gone from. Like, like I was seeing three of him. He was. It was like he hadn't had a drink, unless he was throwing them in the pot plant. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it was. You know, it was just things like that. It was just a really nice guy. You know. 
Yeah, yeah, top guy. And then, as you said, as you said, you know, you, you signed the club, and then, then, like, you had these three first team appearances in a week. Yeah, didn't you? So, like... yeah, so, <laughs> I know it was crazy because what happened? I, uh, I actually, we had the 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 two weeks before I played, uh, we were away at Leeds, I think it was. Yeah, and and Harry pulled me in before the game and said. Um, Steve, you've got a chance to go uh, on loan and we, we really want to see you playing, right? And yeah. and uh, I said, no, I, I actually didn't want to go because it was at Crew Alexandra. No, they were like two divisions below at the time. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and I didn't want to go. And I actually sat down with Slavin after dinner. He said, Steve, go. you got to go. He goes, you got to play. doesn't matter that, that it's two leagues or whatever it is. He goes, just go and play. So I caught the train from Leeds up to Crew. That was a shock of my life. And I played there the next day. So I played the Sunday. Then I played Wednesday midweek. Then I played Saturday away at Bournemouth, all for crew. And then yeah. we, were, then I got a call um, from uh, the guys at West Ham saying, listen, Ludo's injured. You've got to come back. You've got to play for us. And, and in the last game that I played, I actually injured myself. My, I hurt my shoulder. And, and I was thinking, I might need a week off. Right, and again, I went to Slav and I said, Slav, I've got this, you know, like oh, my shoulder's gone. Man. He goes, Steve, just play. He goes, you might not get another chance, and he was right. So I ended up having a fitness test the morning of the no. uh, of the cup game against Barnet, and it was hurting me. And and I went, I just got to do it. So I ended yeah. up playing that night, and you know, I don't know if you remember the game, and I'm sure most people do. I, I let a shit goal in one of the first opportunities. The ball, you know, guy had a shot come off my chest. They scored one nil down, and I, I was gutted. And then the next minute, it was like a lob come into the box, like easy, uncontested. And I caught the ball, and and there was a huge cheer, like huge cheer, yeah, from our fans. And I'm going, what? I'm going, what's happened? And it was a sarcastic cheer that I caught the ball, and, and like I'm going. What have I done? You know, luckily we, we come out of that game with a draw. I, I made a couple of good saves second half and then we went away and played at Forest away and I had a blinder. It just worked for me. I had an absolute blinder. Um, and, and then we played the second leg at home and we won, I think, 1-0. Yeah. And then, you know, Luda had his fitness test the following week against Liverpool and I was thinking, I've got to play this game, man. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and he had the fitness test and played. You know, I would have loved to have played that game, but, you know, that's how things work out. And then that's kind of what led me to, to, to push to, you know, to go on loan again, you know. And I, I didn't want to leave West Ham. I wanted to stay. And my agent said, uh, Silky said, look, Steve, there's Reading have just had an injury to their um, their keeper. Um, and uh, they're desperate for someone, you know, they're going to come down and watch your reserve game. And he said, <laughs> he said, listen, they really need someone who commands the area, who organises. He goes... Whatever you do, you know what Silky's like. I don't know if you've ever met him, but he goes, whatever, I won't try and put his accent on. He goes, whatever you do, just shout. Just keep <laughs> shouting the whole game. right? And, and he reckons I was shouting at my left back and he wasn't even there. He was like tucked in. I'm shouting. Hey, go. I just shouting at everything. And, and, and the first thing uh, Jimmy Quinner was, it was Jimmy Quinn and, and uh, um, I can't remember the other coach's name. He goes, geez, he talks a lot, doesn't he? He goes, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. So, you know, I ended up, uh, then going there on loan and, and doing really well and end up, you know, signing there, which, like yeah. I said, I was I, I was actually gutted because I felt I, I could have offered something to, to West Ham as a club and I was sure. just, 
you know, I was 25 when I come over. So mm. I was reasonably old, you know, and, and I probably needed a couple of years to bed myself in, you know. Um, but that's the way it works. And, and, and I, you know, I enjoyed a, a good time before my injuries at, at Reading and, yeah. uh, and you know, played at, at Wolves and Palace as well. So, you know, when I look back, I kind of, you know, I'm really happy with, with the way things worked out for me. But um, I, I would have loved to have stayed a little bit longer at, at, at West Ham, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and, and something I ask a lot of, a lot of players. So obviously, you know, obviously you play for West, West Ham and Reading and you know, Wolves and Palace. When you know, do you do you look out for all those results when like when they come on the telly? You know, do you watch those games? Do you have an affiliation with those clubs that you you played with? Yeah, de- uh, more so uh, West Ham and Reading. good answer, Steve. Uh, good answer. Yeah, yeah, more so those two. I mean, Reading, yeah. Reading was probably because I also spent um, you know almost eight years living there because uh, I was I stayed based there even when when I went to Wolves and 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 Palace and I went to Gillingham as well and played a bit of non-league so I kind of stayed and based at Reading so mm. I used to go and watch a lot of their games and, and a lot of my good friends are still from, you know around that area so yeah. but but definitely definitely those two clubs are the clubs that I look out for the most and and my son now is just starting to understand um, the uh, I suppose the the achievements that I had, um, and uh, and so for him because West Ham's in the EPL, he he then only associates me with West yeah. Ham and yeah. and says, "Oh, West Ham are playing, you know, Man United. You know, Dad, you, that that was one of the games you you were involved in, you know." And and sometimes you'll ask to look at the books and all that sort of stuff. So it's oh. great, you know, and 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 uh, that, that's uh, you know it's. Uh, West Ham's that kind of club, though, not just for someone who's played for them. I think for most people, it's kind of their second favourite club. Um, it, it, it's a, I think it still has that attitude of being a family club as well. You know, I mean, I don't know what it's like now at the new stadium. I know they've had their, their challenges, but um, you know, I think it's always been a club like that. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think in the last eighteen months, I think since since Mister no, say the last season really since Mister Moyes has, has taken the helm, it, there's this there is a a changing attitude. It, it does seem amongst the fan base. It, it, I know what's happened in the global pandemic has been an awful, awful, awful time yeah. in the world for everyone. It's actually I think it's helped West Ham fans re- reconnect with the club a little bit, to be honest. Um, oh, and Fantastic. and you know, there's a team there which which is working hard. Um, obviously, you know, in the nosebleeds in terms of our yeah. positioning. But as you said, yeah, it's always and actually, you know, I've interviewed you know lots lots of ex players, and they all say how much they enjoyed their time, and and it was like a family club. And you know, once or yeah. twice would have been sort of normal. But everyone saying it, you know, you sort of realise. And obviously, we interviewed fans. We interviewed those in Australia. We've interviewed those in India and America and yeah. all over the goddamn world. And we're this funny little club in East London. Um, they all support so. You know, yeah, they're doing something right. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, you know, the areas are an area of battlers, you know, of yeah people who kind of get get stuck in and have a go, you know, the old markets and all that sort of stuff, market traders, and I think that that's probably where where it, it maybe comes from, you know, yeah. everyone wants to see, yeah, everyone loves to see an underdog as well, so you know, and, and then West Ham have had some fantastic players over the years as well. That's, I mean, the '66 World Cup really that. that Exactly. And one. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, we won the um, World Cup. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was, it was good. It was good. Speaking it was good of times, great memories. 
it was yeah and i i mean until that period was a bit of that sort of redknapp period there was a, a a number of prolonged it was a relative prolonged success in west Ham's modern history um you know shortly yeah. after you left obviously then we got to the intertoto cup final in 99 and you know we won that and you know we you know we was doing a you know fifth we, our highest ever premier league position and stuff like that so yeah. um it was it was a it was a funny time um speaking of players speaking of players obviously yeah. everyone we get on the channel we try and get to do an 11. funny enough harry redwood yeah. didn't do one harry oh, he didn't, didn't do 11. no he was too busy he had, he had another call what a surprise harry was taking another call an hour later yeah <laughs> and he started talking about and he stopped bless him he started talking about bobby ferguson and then he, he just yeah. talked about waxing lyrically about bobby ferguson and they just ran out of time so everyone we get on the channel we, we get to do a an 11 to put together an 11 of the play for the ex-players um it's uh it's an 11 of the players you played with and trained with as well because obviously you know a lot of games you you, you trained as well as played with so yeah um that's what we try and do it's only, only a bit of fun it's only a bit of fun oh, um no problems I've, I've actually written it down and I, i've got a couple uh couple extras as well a few subs yeah. how's that i've yeah. even got some subs there no yeah you, you can, you can <laughs> I, tell unfortunately you're... i didn't I didn't make the cut, but anyway, ah. <laughs> could have got those appearances back up then, Steve. Right? Okay, oh, that's it exactly. exactly. Who's in goal then? Who's in goal for the Steve? So Ludo's in goal. Yeah, Ludo's I guess in goal. That. But I've got two subs, right? I've got two two goalkeeper subs. I've got Les Sealy and uh, and Peter Shilton. So you know those those three there. At, you know that were the time the time I was playing, and and uh, uh, that were just a huge influence on me in terms of just. You know, I suppose it was a. I was a little bit overawed as well because I only ever used to see him on TV. You know, yeah. so, but uh, you know, I had a close connection and and a, and a good connection with each of them individually and as a group yeah. as well. I think we we all worked together and worked together well. So, loads of experience. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, in defence, so, who's, yeah. who's your first defender? Yeah. So I've got uh, Julian Dix as oh, a fullback. Yeah. Girl, Julian. He, so. So Julian used to get me, Dixie used to get me before training and he'd go, right, come on, we're going to go and have, and he wouldn't warm up. I don't know if you know this. Nah. He, yeah, he yeah, yeah, we've had him. He never used to yeah. warm up. So he would say, right, and, and you know, he was famous for his free kicks and his penalties, right? Uh, and it wasn't that he was like a, a Beckham where he'd, you know, bend it like Beckham, he'd just smash it, right? So he'd go, come on, Steve, we're going out early today. I'd go, fuck. Because you know what? I knew I wouldn't get a warm-up because he doesn't want to warm-up, so he doesn't want to waste any time. So I'd have to jump in goal, and he'd just smash the balls at me for half an hour, <laughs> and I'd be trying to make saves. And so uh, so Dixie was uh, full-back, uh, Slavin Bilic, and he's my captain as well, And you know because I've been so close with him. So Slavin and, and Rio Ferdinand. So Rio was only coming through, right? Uh, he'd only played one or two games. Uh, I think yeah. while I was there, he went on loan to, to uh, uh, Bournemouth, but... Uh, I've got to put Rio in there for what he's done after, you know, after I'd sort of uh, influenced his career. <laughs> uh, no, after, well, we used to get a lift into the ground. He used to get a lift into the ground with me because we lived fairly close. So, no, so Rio's uh, and Billich at the back and, and Steve Potts oh, I put in I there because, because he, you know, I played a lot of reserve games with Potts. He was coming towards the end of his career as well. Mm. And, and whether he played first team or whether he played reserves, he had the same attitude. His his professionalism was unbelievable. Another guy was Tim Breaker. He was the same, right? Professionalism was unbelievable. If he got put in with the stiffs in the reserves, even at training, he'd be the one leading the line. And 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 he kind of showed me not, not he didn't do it intentionally, but if 
from my observation, he showed me what a professional is, is about, you know. And yeah. I would love to see him in his day. So, so they're my they're my uh, defenders. And nice. uh, and another one I wanted to mention, I, I only played a couple of reserve games with him was Alvin Martin. Um, he, he left the the years. So I signed the end of ninety. So I signed in January of trial. Signed in March ninety six, yeah. and then signed and then. You know, carried on. So I played sort of three months at the end of that year, and and he was, you know, obviously coming to the end of his career. Played a few reserve games, and but he had a deep voice, big man. You know, uh, like he was just, but but he was a gentle giant as well. You yeah. know, and and again, he was one of those guys who'd sit with you, you know, at lunch and just have a chat to you and sit, ask how you're going and stuff like that. He was he was a gentleman as well. Um, so that the the it was my uh, my sub in in the as a defender. Nice, nice. Go on, let's move yeah. into midfield. I'm loving the t- this, uh, this is this is so my era, Steve. It's unbelievable. Go on, yeah, Sarah. fantastic. So so my my midfield and I don't know how I'm going to play. I'm going to mention this guy and I was fairly close with him, but I just thought he was an exceptional player, Daniel Williamson. Oh, he, oh, he, he was skillful, skill wise. That that kid there, right? He was a few years younger than me, but that kid, he was unbelievable. You know, I think he his career ended with with uh, uh, with a lot of injury, right? Yeah. But not just a nice guy, but what a player he was. I mean, you could have stuck him in in any of the European leagues, and he would have fitted in. He was just mm. such a skillful, great player. So I got Danny Williams in there. Bish was similar. Ian Bishop, he he was fantastic player as well, ball player. But he had a good engine on him as well, man. He was box to box. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I've got Stan Lazaridis in there in the midfield, wide on the midfield, uh, and, and then Frank Lampard as well. You know, you can't go past oh. what he did, what he did in his career. Again, he was, he was. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you a really quick story, right, about Barry Silkman. You know, Lampard used to come on for five minutes nearly every single game. Come on, five minutes to go, yeah. and then the shout started being. He's only doing that because of his dad, and he's you know getting his. And 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 Harry go uh, and and Barry Silkman goes. I remember having a chat with a few other players at the Swallow Hotel, and uh, and uh, Silky goes, if he becomes a player, I'll eat my hat. <laughs> and then, and and I'm thinking now, did I choose the right agent? I don't know. I don't know. Did I? Because because Frank was has been one of the all time greats, right? And every now and then I say, Silky, what's that hat taste like, man? <laughs> that was a great call, but so so I got you know I got four at the back, four in the no. midfield, which no. is uh, Lampard, Lazaridis, now Stan. You know Stan, right? Whenever he had the ball and he was running at players, you could actually see the fear in the players' eyes. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They didn't yeah. know where he was going. He was unbelievable at uh, running with the ball, running at players. Um, so Stan, uh, Frank Lampard, Ian Bishop, just ahead mm. of John Monker, and John Monker is on the bench, and Danny Williamson. Nice. Nice, and, Danny Williams. And then my front ball. two, yeah, my front two. It's got to be Paolo Futre. I got to put him up front, man. <laughs> you know, the guy. He was finished when he came to West Ham. Although he did sign at Atletico Madrid after us, right? But but if ever you get a chance to see any of his any of his highlights before his injuries, mate, mm. he was he was an unbelievable player, Ma- massive massive player. And then the other guy who I, I spent a bit of time with, only a little bit of time, was Tony Cotty. Yeah, he's my other striker. And and Tony is interesting because um, uh, Tony used to do shooting practice. He'd always say to me, "Steve, stay back. I want to do more shooting, more shooting, more shooting." And he was shit at training. He, like I, could, I, I, I don't know whether I just had the measure on him, 
But, mm. but he could hardly score. And I remember one day him walking off, he goes, oh, I'm in negotiations for a new contract. He goes, I've got to score at least two goals this weekend. Uh, otherwise, I'm not getting my contract. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to score my two goals and get my contract. Right? And I'm thinking, he's just, he hasn't stuck one past me. The whole the whole session, he was shit. I go, I feel sorry for this guy. He's not going to get it. And he's, I can't remember which game it was, but he, he scored two goals. Uh, but but that's what he did. He did it in the. He, he scored goals in the big games as well. Uh, so you know those two are up there. And and my sub is uh, the almighty and fantastically looking Dani, the Portuguese. Oh. Player. And, and, and I've only got Dani in there because look, Dani was he was a bit of controversy, and he was a great great young player. But mm. what I liked the best about Dani was he used to take me out to the club, right? and I'd hang off his coattails. The guy was unbelievably good looking. Right? And I used to just sit there and just, you know, absorb everything that was coming. I was like the cricketer, you know, when the slips go on. Yeah, yeah. I'll have whatever's coming around. It's so. chopping off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Danny's on the bench. So I'll just oh, go brilliant. through it. So Ludo and Glow. I've got it. I've got it, man. There it is. Oh, you got there it. There it is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, good day. There that. it is, man. Love yeah. it. Love yeah. it. That is so, like, yeah, love it. That's like, that's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I love that team. Brilliant. It's like they Fantastic. they say they say when, when when you're like a teenager, you're that's when you you love like the music you love is the music you listen to when you're a teenager. And I think it's same true yeah. with football footballers. So when I was a teenager, you know, my footballers were Bishop and Lampard and uh, Moncur yeah. and you know and and these guys. And so yeah, I, I love it, man. That's a great team. Yeah. And actually, Futre. Yeah, the only other time Paolo Futre has appeared. Is in Steve yeah. Jones's eleven as well for the exact same reason you did. Oh, really? <laughs> Jonesy did exactly the same as you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jonesy was, uh, yeah, he would have, but because he was, you know, like at training and stuff. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I think it was our third game of that season. It may have been or fourth against uh, Southampton at home. It, 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 and that's where he showed his brilliance. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. remember that, but yeah, it, it, it was that it was that glimpse of what he was able to do, but just, he just couldn't do it because his legs no. were gone, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, training with him and stuff, you see, you see what he was like. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Steve, man, it's, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Oh, no, thank friend. you. You know, like, I, I don't know how worthy I am of being on here. You know, I only played a couple of games for the, the three games for the Hammers and, and uh, a Steve, short man, stint, but uh, it's great. Some great memories of mine, uh, Russ, you know, uh, over the years. And, and you know, I, I remember walking off the West, uh, the 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 game that I played against uh, Nottingham Forest, and and Julian Dix come up to me, gave me a big hug, and I think there's a photo floating around, and and I said to myself, you know, no one, no now, whatever happens now, nobody yeah. can take away the fact no. that I've played in the EPL, and and, no. and that's you know one of my proudest moments, you know, um, and, and, and yeah. You know, and uh, like I grew up, I grew up on a in, in a regional area in in Australia where you know I was on a farm. There was the, the next house was like a, a mile away, and, and and when I think back to from where I come from to, and it's all relative because there's other players in my era who you know who played four five hundred games. You know, yeah, sure. you know, but at the end of the day, we all take away what we did in 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 our careers, and and uh, and I'm you know I'm proud of what I did. I, I probably overachieved. Um, but but the the thing that got me, I think, was I had a decent work ethic and and you know I had a desperation about wanting to do what I what, yeah. what I ended up doing. So yeah, uh, I totally agree. And I'm glad that that West Ham picked me. You know. Yeah, and also I think you know when you say oh I only play three times, Steve. There's millions of players or, or or fans around the world who would 
change their life or give their life away to do one to have played once yeah. at West, for West Ham. So yeah. I know what you mean. But it, it doesn't matter if you played one or you played 799 like Billy Bonds did. You know, yeah. it, you know, it, you've you did something which a lot of people would have loved to have done, and so that's why I love. It doesn't matter, you know. We, I mean, we interviewed those those are the youth team guys who never really broke into the first team, like yeah. you know, from the ninety nine. You know, I mean, we've had you know various and and just to, just to be around that time, and you know, and I think that's why the fans love watching these things because it's great, man. Yeah. So, uh, thank you so much. Um, no, no, it was my pleasure. Absolutely, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. And absolutely, obviously, thank you to everyone for watching as well. Um, whatever you do, yeah. give it a share, give it a like, give it a subscribe. And for myself and for Mr. Steve, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Wash those hands. Get those jab appointments when you get your your jabs. Uh, come on, you irons, and we'll see you again yeah. very, very soon. Take care, everyone. Up the Thanks hammers. Again. Up the hammers. Come on, you irons. Bye bye. Take later. care, everyone. Bye bye. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.